Hey everyone, pretty much all these stories are pretty damn dark, and they frequently all mention some form of abuse. So if you want to avoid stories like that, then go ahead and completely click off this video. Also, if you haven't noticed, I'm uploading a lot more now, and one of the reasons is because I'm going to be moving soon, and moving is expensive. So, yeah. If you guys have any scary stories, it would really help me out, because I'll probably will run out eventually with me putting out videos every day. I know, I know, I sound like a typical YouTube beggar, but the stories are what keeps this channel going. So if you can send one, please send one over at southerncannibal.com. All that being said, if you're all ready to get into the stories, let's go. And remember, to always stay hungry. I want to provide a slight trigger warning for physical assault. Back when I was in high school, I was a goth drama kid. Most of my friends were fellow goths, freaks, juggalos, juggalettes, etc. Not to push an unhealthy stereotype, but I truly was one of the only students in my friend group that took school at least somewhat seriously and kept my grades as high as possible. I wanted to get into college. I also had a part-time job that I really enjoyed and I was a dedicated employee. All of that will come into play a little later in this story. I started seeing a guy from the group, let's call him Jay, and it was the summer before my senior year had started. He was a year and a half younger than I was. He was technically a junior, but he had failed so many classes that his credits only added up to a freshman. He was also very vocal about wanting to drop out because he thought school was useless. Jay was very affectionate and attentive to me, but it became overbearing. He was always trying to kiss me and hold me in public, but I was very uncomfortable with PDA, and when I'd asked him to stop, he'd be so hurt. I mean, I just wanted him to respect a boundary. Plus, I wanted him to break the habit before school started back up because of their no PDA policy. I wasn't going to get written up my senior year for something I didn't want to do anyway. I found out early in the year that I had the option to graduate early. It was in December of that year. Thus, I wouldn't be back after Christmas break. I was so excited and proud of myself. I told all of my friends, including Jay, at lunch that day. Most were happy for me, but this announcement broke Jay. He begged me to just stay in school and take four electives so that he could see me every day. I declined. I wanted to sleep in and have a break before I started college. He cried hard, and our friends had mixed reactions to this outpour of emotion. Most of the girls thought it was so sweet. The guys rather ignored it, or kept telling him to chill out. He got down on his knee and declared that he was hopelessly in love with me, and that he wanted to marry me. He said that he couldn't bear to go to school every single day if I wasn't there. I was 17, almost 18, and my young mind and heart actually thought that was kind of romantic. But I still told him he had to stay in school so he could have a chance at getting a decent job. He can't even join the army without a high school diploma or GED. Plus, you can't just drop out at 16 years old in our state. Even though he hated school and basically slept through all of his classes, 
He was actually incredibly intelligent, as well as cunning and a computer and internet genius. Right before winter break started, he had formed a plan to work around the dropout clause. First, his mom worked from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day and was gone before the buses showed up to get him and his younger siblings. She'd never know he didn't leave for school. Second, he lived in housing where the electric bill was part of the rent, so his family didn't have an electric bill by itself. His mom had put her sister's electricity in her name for some reason, and she lived in a totally different school zone. He asked to visit her house so he could see his cousin. He stole the newest bill out of her mail pile. Then, he worked up a very convincing letter stating that his family was moving out of the district. Third, on the last day of school, he went to the school office, turned in the letter, the bill was proof of the new address, his textbooks, and even had them print out his meager transcript to really seal the deal. And they bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. He never enrolled anywhere else. He knew they wouldn't call the school in that district because it was the last day before break, and everyone in our school office just wanted to get out and go home. By the time school started back up in January, they would have forgotten all about him. He was certain he'd just fall through the cracks, and truancy wouldn't come looking for him. Because, well, the schools in our city were underfunded, understaffed, and overworked. Like I said, he was very, very smart. For the two months following Christmas, all he did was sleep, do stuff on his computer, snack, and constantly call and text my cell phone if I wasn't with him. He'd call my work and have his cousin or neighbor drive him to my job to just stand around to try and talk to me. My boss had to basically ban him just so I could work uninterrupted. He'd beg me to call in or get off early a lot so that we could spend time together, in his words. He just said he missed me and was so bored all the time. I was getting really sick of this, as you can imagine. I wanted him to do something and try and live up to his potential, but also have something to take up some of his time so he couldn't focus on me and only me. I told him to enroll back into school, and he flatly refused. I put my foot down and then said, Look, I can't be your only reason to exist. I'm going to college in August, and I'm not going to deal with you begging and crying for me to skip class or whatever so that I can just stay in your room and play video games or hang people's stuff. Go back into school or get a damn job. And if you won't do the bare minimum, I'm out. After some pouting, he agreed to get a job. He didn't look very hard for a job over the course of a month, so I got him a job at a grocery store that my mom worked at. We talked to the manager and he agreed to give him a part-time cashier slash stock boy job. He bitched and moaned about having to wear a uniform shirt and name badge. I was becoming very aware of how much of a lazy brat he really was, but I stayed with him, hoping he'd grow up a little. His second week, he got his first paycheck. He bought me flowers, gifts, and took me to dinner, and just totally love-bombed me. His third week, my mom called me from work to tell me that Jay was scheduled for 9am, but that he hadn't come in, nor had he called in. So I called his house over and over. No answer. Landlines were still a main form of communication at this time. I also want to add that it was one of my rare Saturdays off, so I had time to drive over there. I opened the front door, and the house was quiet, save for a muffled rhythmic sound coming from his bedroom in the basement. 
I went down there, and I found him deeply asleep, with his blaring alarm clock buried under a pile of dirty laundry and a blanket. I said his name, and I kicked his mattress three times, and he didn't stir. He slept like the dead. I had to physically shake him like on soap operas to wake him up. When I told him he was an hour late for work, all he said back was, Yeah, well, tell them I'm sick or something. I was up until 6 a.m. I'm tired. I was very pissed, and I told him to call his boss himself. He did, and he was then informed that he'd get a write-up for a no-call no-show. He then asked me to stay and crawl into bed with him. I refused, and I walked out without another word. About three days later, he had called me from work and asked for a ride home. I was off in 30 minutes, so I said okay. He came out without his apron or shirt. I asked about it, and he said that he ripped them doing something in the stockroom and would get another apron in his next shift. So the next day, my mommy called me from work again and asked if Jay had told me what happened the night before. I thought that she was talking about his uniform, but no. He had been fired. He was caught pushing the carts really fast in the parking lot, making them jump the curb and then flip in the air. He rendered two of them unable to be used again from doing this. But worse than that, he had alcohol in his water bottle. He was underage drinking hard lemonade while ringing up groceries. A customer had smelled it on his breath and had then reported it to the manager on duty and then he was fired immediately. That was it. I was done. Not only did he fail to keep an easy job for more than a month, but he was drinking, damaging property, and lying to me about it. I had a double to work that day, and I was not in the best mind place for the full 10 hours. The next day, I only had one class in the morning. I drove to his house after, so that I could get the stuff out of his room that was mine, and then tell him we're done. I found him asleep at noon, and I just started putting stuff in a tote bag that I had. CDs, a few video games, some clothing items, etc. I wasn't being quiet, but he was still snoring away. So I said screw it, and I was about to leave just when he woke up and saw me. He bounced out of bed all happy that I was there. I told him it was over. I told him I deserve better than someone that refuses to try and get a high school degree or keep a job longer than a month before being fired for drinking and breaking cards. He claimed they were lying. He said he didn't do anything like that. I told him to stop bullshitting me and after all this, he at least owed me honesty. He eventually broke down crying, screaming, and begging me not to leave him. He promised to do better. He said he'd do anything I asked as long as I stayed being his girlfriend. Come on, please don't do this. I'll die without you. Please. I kept saying no and attempting to walk up the stairs. He grabbed the tote bag I had full of my stuff and yanked it hard, causing me to lose my balance. I fell down four of the concrete steps and landed on the rough carpet they had down there. I cut my lip, my forehead, and my wrist started swelling almost immediately. I was in a daze. I couldn't feel the pain. All I felt was anger, shock, and fear. He kept apologizing over and over. When he ran to the bathroom to get a washcloth for my cuts, I then stood up on shaky legs. As soon as I heard him ascend the living room stairs to the bathroom, I slammed everything that fell out of the bag back in, and I started making my way back up the stairs while dialing 911 on my cell. 
I wasn't taking any chances now. Before I pressed send, I then heard, Jay, what the hell are you doing home so early? His mom had apparently taken the day off to go to a doctor's appointment and get some errands done. She hadn't noticed that in almost four months, he wasn't going to school. Apparently, his siblings hadn't ratted him out, which I found surprising. He was stuttering something about feeling sick that morning when I came up the steps, bloody, and holding my swollen wrist. She totally freaked out, thinking he beat me up or something. She started screaming at him, then asking him what the fuck he did to me. He broke down crying yet again, saying it was an accident. He handed me the wet cloth and kept trying to hug me. His mom was demanding an explanation of why I wasn't in class and what the hell happened to me. He could barely talk because he was crying so hard and loud. He had snot and drool running down his face like a damn toddler. He curled up at my feet, hugging my legs as his mom examined my wrist. I told her everything. How he illegally dropped out of school, got a job, and was then fired for drinking and vandalizing store property. I said I guess what happened on the stairs was technically an accident, but it was totally avoidable. She looked down at him with such disappointment and rage. I told her I was sorry, but that I just couldn't be with her son anymore because he was an anchor around my neck, and clearly not stable. I looked down at him, still crying like a baby, and I told her that he needed some serious help. She agreed, totally understanding my decision. Every time I said I was going to leave, he tightened his grip. We had to literally pry him off of me. He left finger and dents on my calves and ankles. I had to work in the back of the house at my job for two weeks while my face healed. Way too many customers thought I was in an abusive household and they were talking to managers about their concerns. My school professors also wanted to know what the hell happened. It was embarrassing. Jay just wouldn't leave me alone. He kept showing up in my job even though he was banned. He'd come to my house and was constantly begging me for another chance. I changed my cell phone number four times in four months. It was fruitless. He always found it doing his computer stuff, though. I tried to file a harassment complaint with the local police department, but they did next to nothing about it. They basically just told me since he was a minor and hadn't done anything violent or illegal, I needed to just ignore him. I really regret not calling the cops the day he pulled me down his stairs. Fast forward to August, and I was going to college. I still lived at home, but it was a half-hour drive to and from every day in heavy traffic. At least once a week, there were love notes, flowers, and mixtapes left on my car's windshield or in my mailbox. I would just toss them in the outdoor trash can or the dumpster at my job. If he happened to still be in the area, I wanted him to actually see me throw his crap away without reading it. It may sound cold, but I was just over this crap. I began dating someone named W in October. He lived closer to the college, and on nights I didn't work, I would just stay over at his place. About a month after dating him, things took a very dark turn. When I would talk to W on the landline, I started to hear weird clicking sounds. At first, I thought it was just my call waiting malfunctioning, or the phone itself. Sometimes my call would get disconnected completely. W began getting phone calls in the middle of the night. The same number would show up on his caller ID every time. When he'd pick up, it'd be dead air. 
It happened over and over again until he just unplugged the phone from the wall. The same number started calling my home and cell phone constantly. Dead air. I had to turn my cell phone off at night and work. My mom would just turn all the home phones to silent at night and told my dad if he needed to get a hold of us to call the nocturnal neighbor. It was so aggravating. I knew it was Jay. He was screwing with me through his computer or something, but I had no way to prove it. I woke up one night around 2 a.m. to the motion detection lights seeping through my curtains. Then there was a tapping on my window. My stomach was a knots. I barely pinked out my window and I saw the undeniable lanky silhouette of my ex. I heard him breathing really hard and muttering what sounded like, I know you're home. Your car is here. Open the window. I started backing out of my room slowly and quietly. Now, my dad usually worked at the graveyard shift, but on this night, he was actually home and watching TV in the living room. I told him that Jay was outside tapping on my window, and he got very mad about this. He told me to stay on the couch as he called the police. The taps then became loud knocks that were then heard from other rooms. It woke up my sister and my mother. The loud knocks then became bangs. It was like he was punching the damn glass. I was afraid he ended up breaking my window, so I went back in and I pulled up my mini blinds. There he stood, tears and snot running down his red face. I cracked the window just a tad so I could speak to him through the screen. I then said in a loud whisper, What the hell's wrong with you, Jay? It's two in the morning. I have class in six hours. This isn't romantic. It's gross. It's lunatic behavior. You're actually insane, Jay. Why can't you just fuck off? Go away. His eyes and demeanor totally shifted. He took a deep, shaky breath and muttered, Does he worship you the same way that I do? If you broke up with him tomorrow, would he be destroyed like I am? Would he do everything in his power to win you back like I am? Would he even care? I promise you he wouldn't. He's nothing. I am yours, and you are mine. You need to wake up and see that. And you also need to see that I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going away. He stepped back a bit and rattled off W's full name, address, as license plate, letter, and number combination, and a few other things as well. I didn't even know what to say to that. He then smiled in a way that would make Stanley Kubrick himself shudder and walked to his mom's car, which keep in mind he didn't have a license to drive, then took off. The cop showed up a full 15 minutes after he had left. They took mine and my father's statements and I told them about the clicking sounds as well as the number that kept calling me and my boyfriend. The cop said he'd start a file, but again, there's not really anything he can do without proof of violence or whatever. I told W what happened the next day in class and it really freaked him out. Everything that Jay found was public record, so it wasn't even illegal, but it clearly was a threat. I told him if he wanted to break up, I understood. We hadn't been together that long, and I knew all this was way too much for a fresh relationship. He said no, 
but that he was going to get some security equipment for his house and that he was always going to park under a CCTV camera at school for now on. The calls and clicks kept happening. Every time I heard a click, I'd just hang up with whomever I was speaking to. About two weeks after the incident in my house, the cop that had come out that night called to my house to speak with me. I don't know if he was a detective or whatever, but he was telling me a few things about the case that he wanted to build on Jay. As we were speaking, the phone made that clicking sound yet again. I then said, Please tell me you heard that. He said yes, and as he was then saying something about meeting in my house, our call was then disconnected. He called back immediately, and as soon as he said who he was, the clicking started. The cop blurted out, Alright, look, I'll be there in ten. And then hung up before the call could be cut again. When he showed up, he had asked me questions about Jay. How old he was, how he was not enrolled in school, his parents, his computer skills, the phone issues, etc. He said the number that kept calling us was the main number to our local phone company. It was the number you call when you pay your bill over the phone and when you needed a line or jack repair. Things like that. He didn't know how, but he knew that Jay was tapping our lines and causing it to disconnect at his will. He gave me his card that had his personal cell phone number, and he said to call him if Jay ever approaches me again anywhere. I felt a bit safer knowing that I was finally being taken seriously now. About three weeks later, I decided to quit my job because the hours and distance from school was just really stressful. I wanted to spend the night at W's more often, since it was close to school. I felt a lot better, knowing that Jay wouldn't really bother my family if he knew I wasn't there. Plus, if I was with W, he couldn't tap our conversations over the phone. W had put in some cameras and motion sensor lights, so I felt safe. I got a part-time job in the college bookstore and cafe. About a week into working there, my old boss called me to ask if I was okay. I asked why, and he said Jay had come to my old job and then demanded to see me. When he was told that I had quit, he demanded to know if I was working anywhere else. I hadn't told anyone there that I had gotten a job inside the college, so they told him they didn't know and they wouldn't even tell him if they did because they knew he was very obsessive and threatening. He blew a gasket. He tore the reservation line phone off the wall, pushed over the host stand, and then hurled a load of obscenities while customers looked on in terror. And he had taken off before the cops arrived, of course. But they did have CCTV footage of this act and had given it to the cops, so now they had proof of violence. After talking to the cop about all that went down in my former job, he said he was going to talk to Jay's mother at her job. I also gave him W's number so he could tell the cop what he had experienced too. He said he'd keep me updated. Everything went radio silent for a few days. No calls, no clicks, no notes, nothing. It was the most peace I had experienced in months. But, of course, it was short-lived. We were throwing my grandmother a surprise birthday party that Saturday. W drove me there to meet my granny, and we had a great time. Afterwards, I was really tired, and I didn't feel like going to W's to spend the night. They kissed me goodbye and went home and I rode home with my parents. I was asleep in my bed for a few hours when I heard a tapping on my window. I had hoped it was just a dream, but there it was again, 
seven fast taps that were louder than the first. I picked up my cell phone and called the cop. He picked up almost immediately, and I then whispered, He's here, outside my window again. He told me to stay on the phone with him, and he'd call dispatch on his radio. The taps became bangs again, and I was so exhausted and pissed. I put the phone on the edge of my bed near the window, pulled up my blinds, and raised the glass partially. He just stared at me, shivering in the autumn cold. Cops have been called to my house. They've been to my mom's job. Your old boss said he wouldn't press charges if I started going to therapy or some shit. My mom has to re-enroll me in school so she doesn't get in trouble. I just glared back at him. Well, I'm not doing any of that. I can't be something I'm not. And I can't live without you. You're all I think about. You're the only reason I get out of bed. He reached into his coat pocket and pulled out a ring box. He opened it and he asked me to run away with him and to be his forever. I let out a kind of snort laugh. I didn't mean to. I swear it was involuntary, but it was authentically how I felt. His eyes went dark again. He reached into his inner coat pocket with his free hand and brought out a very large kitchen knife. The bright security lights bounced off the blade. Now I was truly scared. I completely forgot that my cell phone was still connected to the cop, and I picked up my landline to call 911. It was dead. Yeah, so the wires are cut, and don't even try to get your cell phone. If you leave my side, I'll shove this thing into my jugular. No ambulance will reach me in time, he said to me. I was in absolute shock. You have two choices. You can get dressed, pack a fucking bag and come with me with this ring on your hand. Or you can stand there, do nothing, and have my blood on your hands. I've already left a note for my mother. It says if I end up dead, it's because you let me die. Everything was in slow motion now. I vaguely heard the cop calling my name through my cell phone. I snapped back to reality and said loudly, Put the knife down, Jay! You need help! I had hoped the cop had heard me. The cops that were coming needed to know that he was armed. I need you! Only you! So what's it gonna be? My wife? Or my murderer? A ring? Or blood? He then put the tip of the knife to his throat and stepped closer to my window. The air was static now. I can't tell you how much time passed from his last sentence to when the red and blue lights finally blinded me. I only heard the officer then say, Drop it! Get on the ground! I couldn't see him. I looked at Jay, his eyes still locked on me, but now he looked terrified, with tears rolling down his cheek. I expected at any second for him to shove that knife as deep as he could before the officer got to him, but he didn't. He fell to his knees, dropped both the knife and the ring box in the grass, and let out a loud wail of defeat. Within seconds, he was in handcuffs. I put on my robe and went outside. The cop that took me seriously was at the bottom of the porch, and he gave me a hug. He told me that he tried to call his mother, but the calls weren't going through. My mom woke up from the lights and yelling, and came running outside in her nightshirt. 
Our neighbors, including the nocturnal one, were coming out of their houses to watch all the drama. I heard them say that they were taking Jay to the hospital first. He was kicking the windows of the cruiser, screaming and crying. I pressed charges, and he ended up at a mental hospital that was attached to a juvenile detention center for quite a while. I don't know what happened to him after he turned 18. His mother had called shortly after all this happened, and she apologized for everything he did, but I assured her that it wasn't her fault. She allowed the police to search everything of his. His cell phone, his computer, his room, etc., He had apparently stolen equipment from a phone company truck that was left unsupervised, and that's how he was able to tap slash disconnect calls. Oh, and the ring? Yeah, that was also stolen. W and I broke up soon after, but it was amicable. I just couldn't be in a relationship after all that. I started therapy. Now here I am in my 30s. I haven't really thought about it all these years but I decided to type it all out and send it to you because I was checking my other folder on Facebook yesterday and there was a DM from his name. I want to give a big thank you to Southern Cannibal for telling my story. Please be safe out there, everyone. Please. Hi, everyone. For this story, I'm going to refer to myself as M. I'm a 19-year-old female, and this story took place during my senior year of high school, so not too long ago. I'm going to refer to my abusive ex as R. My best friend is L. My current relationship is C. And my first ex-boyfriend is J. Him and I had an open relationship for context reasons. R and I had gone on a few dates and hung out with L when we had free time. However... I should have seen the red flags from the very beginning. When we went on our first date, it was to the bowling alley that he frequented since he was a bowler for school and for leagues. When we got there, a huge red flag was raised when he told me he brought a lot of girls there and that he liked the place as a date destination. I brushed this off, as it wasn't really much to go off of. As time went by, Jay and I eventually broke up which really devastated me, as we were almost at our two-year mark. During this time, R wasn't much help. I didn't really expect him to be, as it wasn't something that should have concerned him. But after this, R became abusive both emotionally and verbally. He'd often blame me for the way he'd act, and he made me feel like I was worthless. I gave him a lot of chances. Later in my senior year, I would now meet my fiancé, who again is referred to as C, and I met him in health class. He joined our friend group of R&L, and we all had a blast. Since I became friends with him, however, R became very possessive and being inappropriate in front of C. In public, if I talked to C, R would grab my ass and try to kiss me to interrupt our conversations. One day, while we were at R's house, we had some cheese snacks, as it was after his grand party. He said to me, M, go take the cheese bag back out to the fridge. At this point, I was fed up with his abuse, and I had told him, No, I'm not your slave. You can take it out to the fridge yourself. Big mistake. R glared at me with an angry look, grabbed my wrist, and then pulled them towards the bag. Pick it up now. 
so I did. And he forced me out to his kitchen and put it into the fridge, still using my hands. You see? Couldn't you have done that yourself? He asked with a smug look. All the while C had watched this all happen. But it only got worse. We had gone to the bookstore with L and C. And while we were there, I had gotten really excited about something. So I lightly tugged on his shirt and told him to follow me. For some reason, this had pissed him off. So he grabbed my wrists and then scolded me, saying, Don't you dare pull on my fucking shirt. Squeezing my wrists harder and harder until he finally threw them down. Again, I brushed this off, giving another chance to maybe fix his actions. Spoiler alert, he never did. This is when everything really went south and quick. We went out one day to the bowling alley with ours friends. He was doing some stuff there that was really bothering me, so I confronted him about it in his truck after we left. In a blind rage, he pulled over his truck and then started screaming at me. He told me that he'd kill my whole family and my friends, all because he was angry that I explained my feelings on the situation. I just remember how petrified I was as he started slamming into his steering wheel until his hands bled. We eventually got back to his house. I called his mom to tell her what happened. She defended his actions saying he just has anger problems and they should be right home to talk to him. I was furious. As we went into his house, he walked up to the dining room wall and punched a hole into it. This really bothered me, but when I eventually found out why, it shook me to my core. Eventually, after this, him and I would break up, though we would still hang out and have somewhat of a situationship. We had gone to a party at his aunt's house during this time, and we sat down for lunch with his sister, who, by the way, is older than him by about 15 years. Her and I talked, and somewhere in the conversation, we had talked about why R and I broke up, and I had brought up the hole-in-the-wall situation. She was upset, but she grew even more upset when R chimed in with, Of course I hit the wall. It was either you or it. Needless to say, we officially broke everything off since I got into an official relationship with C who's so much more loving and caring, if anyone was wondering. In conclusion, for anyone listening, please pay attention to red flags and break it off as soon as you can. There are plenty of people who are in this situation. You are not alone, and you are not trapped. And to R, if you somehow find this and end up listening to this, and you know who you are, fuck you. And I hope you never did this to another girl in your life. Be safe. This was in the early 90s. I met Zach in the local library of my small town where my mom was employed. He was around my age, 19, and he had a country boy charm. He had blonde hair and blue eyes and drove a blue Ford truck. We had made small talk and decided to hang out for a while. We just drove the streets and talked. He was a little old-fashioned in his thinking, that women should submit to their men and all that, but I was okay with that. A couple of days later, he was at my place just talking again, when my friend, I'll call her Anne, came by to see if I wanted to go to a city and do an hour drive. I really wanted to, 
so I told Zach this. He immediately invited himself along. Anne thought it was odd, but she went with it. The whole car ride was really uncomfortable with his talk of submissive women and working on a farm. We just let him talk while we shopped. Eventually, we just went back home, and he left for the day. Anne asked where I found him at, because he was rather racist as well. Let's get to the frightening part. Having dealt with Zach for about a month at this point, he walked into the library again, and he approached my mom while she was shelving books. He made small talk, and he then complained to her that he didn't like Anne hanging out with me, nor did he like that I wasn't a submissive little bitch. I'm not 100% sure what else he said, but whatever it was caused my mom to then turn around, and she then shoved him into a shelf of books. He was surprised by this, and then left. My mom then told him to stay the hell away from her daughter. Later that evening, he had asked me out to dinner, but I had already made plans with Anne, so he left, or so I thought. Anne came to pick me up with a couple of other friends, and we headed to the next town over for a party. Anne was driving, and I was shotgun, with the other two in the back. We were on the highway, when we then saw headlights from behind us. They were coming up fast. Then as they were on our tail, we moved over so they could pass. But he didn't. At first, I didn't recognize the car, but as he was starting to pass, I then realized it was Zach. He had yelled some kind of obscenity out the window and then fell back behind us. Anne tried to lose him, but with no luck. Cell phones weren't a thing, or we would have called the police. Then once again, he pulled alongside our car, and he told me to get out, but I wouldn't. The next thing I know, he turned his wheel and then sideswiped Ann's car right off the road. Then he sped off. Fortunately, there were no serious injuries, but Ann's car was no longer drivable. We all got out of the car, and we managed to walk the three miles to the next town, and then notified the police. We all managed to get home safely, as none of us were up to party anymore. Zach ended up getting arrested for reckless driving, but since he didn't have insurance, and didn't get her car fixed. It really was one scary night, and after that happened, I've only really seen him a couple of other times in town. The last I heard, Zach ended up passing away from an aggressive cancer, but he still sometimes haunts my dreams from time to time. And I know this is really awful to say, but I'm really glad to know that he can no longer hurt anyone else. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, and remember, to always...